Hey everyone, John and Andrew here. Welcome to the podcast. On today's episode, healing ourselves, needles and lasers, and returning to alignment. This is Obstacle Course. Let's go. Woo! So Andrew. Yeah? I was actually ahead of schedule this morning on my drive to the studio. Okay. Usually I'm a, I'm kind of pushing it because of the Malahat, the traffic, then I got to get through the freaking McKinsey interchange. and You're posting an episode this morning. Yeah, posting an episode, getting my employees off. It's just such a packed morning. Yep. And- <laughs> Continue. Oh, yeah, I won't dig in. You do what you need to do. Oh, yeah. Busy morning. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and and I found myself, it was about 9.30, and, and I was already coming up to Goldstream, and I'm like, oh, well, you know, I don't want to sit in, in um, Judy's long, dark driveway by myself, so okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to pull over and just gravitate towards some stillness, because we've been talking about that a lot in previous episodes. Yeah. And so you can imagine where I pulled over at Goldstream there. Absolutely. Uh, the Be- site of our park. recent hike, right? Yeah, we did a hike there. Did. It, yeah. the, it's the fall colors, the... It's beautiful. I pulled in. It really wasn't that busy. And the reason I did was because now is, well, now being November 20th, we're right in the height of the salmon run. Mm-hmm. So this is an annual thing, of course, uh, Vancouver Island from about mid-October for about six to eight weeks, the salmon come back and um, and then they do their spawning. And th- this is just, it's, it's amazing just what, you know, the, the whole the whole experience seeing the salmon, but just knowing how they work. Like I didn't even know this actually. I had to do even a little bit of research to make sure I get my facts right. Because I was like, this is cool, but I want to make sure I know why this is happening. Yeah. So it's mostly chum salmon okay. um, that are coming. And when they come, they're coming back actually. So yeah. they're, they're born right there, yeah, right in that Goldstream river. And then they go away for four years, which I, I did not know this, right? They go away typically to Alaska right around the Gulf of Alaska. And then four years later, they come back to the site of where they were born. And then they continue the process. They spawn, they, they make their babies and then they die in that same river that they were born in. And what's, it's, it's just, you know, yet another beautiful story of how nature works and, and just the wonder of how they, like, how do they go from Alaska and get back here? And how do they know to get back to that same spot where they were, where they were, you know, created essentially. Um, it's really cool. Um, but also just seeing them, um, seeing what they do in the river. I mean, they they sit in the river, like like they sit, like not motionless, obviously, but in one place upstream. So like the stream's against them, the current's coming against them, and they're sitting there, like somehow, in freezing cold water um, for the sole purpose of, you know, depositing their eggs and then dying. And it was just kind of one of those beautiful moments. And and actually just the whole story of how salmon work <laughs> and breed and live and die was, was, was astonishing to me. Yeah. yeah, and there's so much there about our connection with nature and, and about mm-hmm. how when we kind of ignore it, we just think, of, you know, the purpose of salmon is to feed us a salmon burger yeah right (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) and and that's why they're here and and there's probably not more much more to it than that no but when you you hear about their four-year journey and their the innate knowledge that is inside of them and then you think about the impact that we're having as humans on them and almost pushing them to the brink of extinction Mm -hmm. 
and um, yeah, it, it definitely makes you wonder and think and, and contemplate what our role is, how we live our lives, and, and, and maybe how we could live them a bit more mindfully. Yeah, beautifully said. And I mean, there's opportunities like that wherever you are to, oh, to sure. reconnect and, and to understand the, the natural process. So there's opportunities everywhere. And it's just a matter of what we're conscious of. And um, and we can touch a, a greater place in ourselves when we become aware of, of what's out there. And, and I think that's why I find nature as, as a charging station for myself and, and talking about spirituality and, and connection. And if you're yearning for connection to something greater, you know, just being outside and, and being present and observing as, as you did this morning, John, I think that's the one of the greatest ways, at least that I know of doing so. Yeah, and it's cool because the metaphors, I literally got off like the fast speedway Yeah, to a place of like stillness and quiet and just watching nature do its thing. And, and, you know, you've said beautifully before, Andrew, that, that the reason you charge in nature is because it doesn't really ask much of you, you know, like you can just enjoy it and be in it, but well, there's no, there's no distractions. There's no distractions, right? right? That's a, it's a place where you can go where, where literally the only, it is the distraction. Yeah. The only distraction around you is, is what's out there and it's being present and, and then you access a different part of your brain. Yeah, and this is completely related to our guest who came on today, Wendy Bowen, uh, um, who um, you know, somebody who's a physiotherapist, and and she spoke spoke most of the time about the connection between our mind and our spirit and our soul and ourselves and our pain. You, mm-hmm. you expect a physiotherapist is going to come on and tell you like, okay, here's what you do if you tear a calf muscle, or or here's what you do if you dislocate your shoulder, you know, this and this and this. And just, there was some just of happened that. to be the two things that we've done in the well, last yeah, <laughs> period of time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, but th- we probe so much deeper, literally, and, and we talked about like um, when you're when you're not aligned in your purpose and in your values, it can actually affect like f- physical injuries and bring on physical injuries. Yeah. Um, and that yeah, that was a that was a good moment. Um, and and how pain and suffering can relate to one another, and and how one of them can be needed and learned from. Mm-hmm. And, and the other is, is a, a cycle of repetition that, that does us great harm and, and we perpetuate ourselves quite often. Yeah. So a lot of wisdom in Wendy and yeah. she shares that and, and also opens up about her own challenges with self-worth and, and with identity. And yeah, it's a, it's a great conversation. And surprise, surprise, we uh, we brought up Jason again, <laughs> Mr. Jason Dorland, who seems to get referenced every second episode. Yeah, for sure. Oft, and, often because what he says is at the heart of most of our journeys. It's just ego wanting to be in charge and get attention and drive the drive the narrative, and and it's a bad driver. It's a mm-hmm. worse driver than me, probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe yours is the one. Driving Imagine how bad I am when my ego's driving. <laughs> There's two bad drivers. Yeah, well, I've witnessed that too, um, <laughs> yeah. but. Yeah, Wendy brings up a number of our previous episodes, which is what something that we do as well quite often because what we're trying to illustrate here is, is we're all connected. There's some common themes and common pitfalls that, that we as humans create and, and often fall victim to. And there, uh, yeah, so people, you're not alone when, when you experience such things. And, and when we flush out these themes and make these connections, we're hoping that it... Um, it helps us 
do a little bit better every time when when we get into that mindset or set of circumstances as well yeah absolutely we almost want people to say i feel like i've heard this before because in a lot of ways you have heard this before you know we're all on the journey yeah and hopefully everyone out there you're you're making your own connections as well because uh yeah there's there's plenty to be learned and and each person is going to take their own learnings from each episode so thanks for being here and and enjoy well i think we're ready to get started so wendy bowen welcome to the podcast and uh you and john have a a a strong relationship already but we don't want to break any doctor-patient confidentiality, so uh, so we I don't know how much we'll get into that. She has seen me with my shirt off. <laughs> okay. Yeah, for sure, many times, and she's still treating me, so yeah. she, she must not be too ashamed. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can speak to anything John lets me to speak to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm an open book, as you know. Yeah. From all our intros. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as we've discussed, yeah. I just listen to the intros actually because they're so funny. Yeah. So. <laughs> Do you, and then you stop. And then I stop. Yeah. <laughs> You know what? Well, we're not. We're not. No, that's not true. That. That's not true. I listen to them all. Yeah, yeah no. Wendy is. Uh, I've known Wendy for a decade. I first first met her at a thing called BNI. For for if mm-hmm. you're a business owner, you know that stands for Business Networking International, I believe. Yes. And uh, essentially, it's, it's pretty much what it sounds like. Uh, it's a once a week meeting where where business owners can meet and stand up and have a little elevator pitch for their for their product or for their business and that's kind of how we learned to speak a little bit and Wendy has always been a powerful speaker in fact it's one of her great interests beyond fixing people's dislocated shoulders (laughs) (laughs) etc yeah and uh, so that's how I got to know Wendy and it's here we are 10 years later both of our businesses well she sold hers now and she's working in that business which I'm sure we'll hear about that start line physiotherapy Mm -hmm. and uh, and yeah Lush is 10 years old and it's cool now we're sitting at the table and yeah. You've been binging our podcast. As, I as have, of late, yes, which is cool. Yes, I thought after we after we had our little conversation after dislocated shoulder, which I think I found out on Facebook, didn't I? Yeah, you yeah, did because you messaged on Facebook and yeah. sent me a bunch of instructions, and I was like, "Can I just come see you?" <laughs> yeah, so I thought I'd go back and and start it. I started with your story, I think you did, eh? and then yeah. listened forward, and then went back to and started at your your first one without your guest, and then started with Maeve. Maeve, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maeve, we're so appreciative of Maeve because we were like, we don't really know how to do this, and we need somebody who won't care and will be totally <laughs> cool with that vibe. And Maeve's about the perfect option. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll put you on the spot here a little bit, Wendy. But mm-hmm. is, is there anything that comes to mind from any of our guests uh, that you've had as a, a, a real takeaway from from listening to any of the episodes? Oh, I can go all the way through the the. There's a tie through all of them is, and what you guys are doing here is great. It's that no matter how big or small, we're all going through that same journey of, you know, am I good enough? Mm-hmm. You know, or seeking self worth and trying to heal maybe big traumas or little traumas, and just figure out who we are, where we're going, and what we want to do with our lives when we grow up. Yeah, yeah, that seems to be the common, and and some struggles seem really big. Like I, I have to say, I'm really honored that John asked me to come on here. One because I'm not famous, mm-hmm. <laughs> and my my obstacles compared to some of listening to like it's really intimidating when you. Oh my gosh, they've got an Olympian on there. Oh, he's a two time Olymp. Oh, she's an Olympian. Oh my gosh, <laughs> or they've had that. My 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 obstacles seem feel like speed bumps, but I think we all have a message to share and help each other. We're we're in this together. 
and help each other learn and grow. Absolutely, so, and and that's why you're here. Yeah. And uh, and it's easy to diminish our story. And it, when comparing and comparing pain to one another, it's it, it can be problematic. But uh, you're here for a reason. And uh, yeah, you're a physiotherapist. You're an author. You're a, a speaker and a business owner. So I, I think there's. Yeah. There's lots in your story to to bring to the table. And you're an athlete, and, and we're all athletes, and we're yeah. all used to being competitive. But there's no competition on obstacle course. <laughs> no, you know, there's no that's oh that's obstacle is way more badass. You know, it's yeah. just like like you said, that's such a good way to say it. We're all united by the universal human struggle or the hero's journey that we talk about all the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and this is this is the great part of the journey where you take what you've learned in the trenches and in those face down moments and bring it back to the masses. Yeah. 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 So you mentioned pain a couple minutes ago, mm-hmm. and I thought um, an interesting place to start in, in some of the speaking and, and writing that you do is about the the body's kind of innate ability to to heal itself, and it's certainly from an an outsider's perspective, it's not necessarily a commonly held practice, or at least it's not maybe able to heal itself with everything, but some things it can. So I. I wanted to dig into that idea and, and kind of get your perspective on it. Well, the body, it's its interesting because we, as a physiotherapist or physical therapist, you know, we focus on the physical aspects of the body, but there's so much more to our body. Like it's, it's you can't separate the body from the mind, from the spirit, the soul. Uh, it's it, There's a whole aspect to it. And I think when we segregate it, we look at it from one point. So like John's, uh, you know, dislocated shoulder, it has the natural ability to heal itself, but it might need a little help along the way. It's taken its sweet ass time. I gotta be honest. Yeah, they're not fast. Sorry. <laughs> Especially the full dislocation. It's right? been a couple months and you know, yeah. I'm kind of like, is this normal? You yeah. Know? But I think it is. Yeah. yeah. They take, they take their, their time yeah, and it's that working through it and, and looking at the, the gradual gains, but the body knows what to do. You just mm-hmm. have to give it the right environment mm. to do it. And so if, you know, John goes out and he just does like super hard workouts and keeps pissing it off, then it's going to keep tightening down and he has to come see me and me release those pissed off muscles with the IMS, which is painful, but it works. Um, But the swelling has to go down to get the movement. So the body knows how to get the swelling down. You just have to give it the time. And that's the, the issue that most people have is the patience. We don't have the patience to give it the time we keep pushing through we don't rest we don't have our recovery time and sometimes it's even nutritional you know uh, mm. or or other habits like uh, if people smoke they don't heal as quickly if mm. people don't have the right nutrients for their body they won't heal as quickly so there are things that we can do outside of that that will help promote healing now is this specific to like musculoskeletal injuries I don't know if that's an accurate term. Yes, but perfect. <laughs> perfect. Yeah, but, okay, great. <laughs> yeah, um, or or is it you know is that accurate for immune system or digestive system or does that apply to other um, systems? My my area of study is with the musculoskeletal system and and where I focus a lot of my attention. But I do have a lot of people who deal with chronic pain issues and uh, quote unquote the autoimmune system issues and. Uh, we're doing some some work with the uh, photobiomodulation therapy with Genoa and looking at the autoimmune system and helping again with with 
seeing if we can help reduce the inflammation. That's the whole goal of the, the light therapy. Um, but my, my, my takeaway on that is when you know people are coming in and they're getting that therapy and they're saying, well, this work, well, it has, I have seen it help. Uh, but it's like cleaning, you're helping you clean your system out. But if you're cleaning the pool, but you're still pooping in the pool, <laughs> but what you're putting in your body, mm. you're going to slow the process or maybe even stall it. So then you go, oh, this isn't going to work. But have you done everything you need to do? And that's where I refer outside to a naturopath or a nutritionist or someone like that so they can get the whole part. Or, you know, if someone's not sleeping well, if someone's not sleeping well, you know, their recovery is, is not going to be as good. Yeah, so. so it's what you put in your body as well as habit systems. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and those are the hard ones to change. They're yeah, not easy to change. Sure. You know, you ask yourself, yeah. okay, what would it take for me to change? What would it take for me to eat better? What would it take for me to, you know, we get stuck in, and this is the work I've been doing uh, with Robert Ohado is, you know, do you repeat or do you evolve? You hmm. know, and when we get stuck in that repeat, you know, we suffer. And if we are willing to evolve, we have to go through pain. You call it the dark night of the soul. He calls it the dark night of the ego. Mm. Yeah, we mm. have to go through that. And I've seen that uh, people working with that. And that's where I always say the pain gets you to me because I'm a phys I work as a physiotherapist. So the pain brings you to me. But when you're on my table, we get to talk about the other things. You know, mm. a little we bit. Do. We get to talk about yeah. life and the stresses of life and how to cope with the stresses. Maybe now would be a, a good time to. Um, kind of go back into that that whole process of of going into physio and and um, and into you know treating people and and what how that decision came to be. That's an interesting question. That's a funny question. I actually talk about it a little bit in the book because uh, I had no aspirations to be a physiotherapist at all. My dad had suggested it. Uh, I went into the kinesiology field first. So I was sitting grade 11, you know, looking at oh, grade 12. When I'm, I went to school in Ontario, so I had to do grade 13 too. And uh, we're a little slower back there. <laughs> anyway, so I'm going through and I actually wanted to do psychology. Um, but my mom went into nursing and then psychiatric nursing. She said, oh, no, you don't want that. You don't want to study rats and stuff. And I wanted to stay at home in Peterborough, Ontario and go to Trent and do psychology. And not, they weren't having anything to do with that. But so I was skimming through the, uh, the leaflet and it said, kinesiology, the scientific study of human movement. Oh, sports. Okay, I like sports. Psychology. Oh, I like psychology. Mm -hmm. I'm interested in that. And science. Oh, my dad wants me to get my science. He says, if you have your sciences, it opens up all the doors. So I was like, I'll keep everybody happy. Yeah. And keep myself happy. And so I went into kinesiology first and came out and uh, started working as a kinesiologist doing functional testing, which pretty much means that if you get hurt, injured, and you can't go back to your job, we test you to see what you can push, pull, lift, carry, regardless of pain and write up the report and say this is what they can do and it felt like i was signing people's death sentences like there's got to be more we can do for these people like it just feels like we're writing them off and so that was a little bit of a peak of an interest but the person i was working for uh, maureen hunt she was a physiotherapist and she suggested i go into physiotherapy um at that time and um the guy i was dating at the time he was an english major country music musician and uh, he had aspirations to do the whole Nashville thing and I thought oh my gosh if I go down there he's a music musician he's not gonna make any money I need a way to support myself is kinesiology a portable profession no it's not really portable It'll probably be hard for me to get work down there that's uh, able to sustain me uh, so uh, Maureen helped me get 
into physio school. She got helped me with the application and made recommendations. And this is where the synchronicity is really quite interesting because I went to a conference on functional testing, met up with uh, somebody who was in school with me. She was a year behind me, but I got really sick my first year of university in kinesiology and lost that first term. So I was kind of the in-between. I wasn't with my class anymore and I wasn't with the class behind me, but, and met up with her and she was looking for a roommate in Hamilton. Well, I had just got a job in Hamilton, Ontario, which would mean I wouldn't have to drive through the top of Toronto uh, every Friday night to go see my boyfriend, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I made that move. And then she was in um, working as a, a physiotherapy assistant at a physiotherapy clinic, and her boss just happened to be on the interview board uh, for McMaster University. So... And because she was working in a physio clinic, we got to prepare together. Because prior to that, I had tried to uh, get into occupational therapy school. And I got to the interview stage and bombed the interview. It's like, can you tell me the top 10 questions, top 10 things that are concerning occupational therapists at this time? I was like, no, I just want to be an occupational therapist because I like doing seating and wheelchair seating and sales. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's all I knew about occupational yeah. therapy. So they, they rejected me for a good reason. <laughs> But it got me into physio, but I had no plans to be a physiotherapist. Interesting. And to have a 21-year career or something like that doing it. Yeah. And I actually like it. I do. But I like like the the conversations with people, you know. Yeah. See, in that, the psychology, right? Yeah. So you you had that interest in psychology. Well, now, Mm -hmm. you know, we... We talk all the time yeah. about the greater things beyond shoulders and muscles and stuff, and and the delight on your face as you're talking about it. I think, yeah. I think you, that's your favorite part. Yeah, actually, it is. Well, you go back and you're looking at like I'll throw I'll throw in the mountain story here now. So, yeah. So yeah. we're on this journey, and I, the one of the things like I've been following uh, the work of Carolyn Mace for about a decade as well, and uh, this was when I was working at. Um, doing a WCB return to work program and we had to do education for them and I went to the library and found this DVD Carolyn Mace why people don't heal and how they can I was like oh this would be interesting so I played it for them and she gets into you know where our blocks to healing ourselves are like like why can two people with an ACL injury um, recover differently Hmm. you know how, how can that football player get back playing or you know, Aurora get back to rowing after shattering her leg, right? And this person doesn't get back. Like, where are the differences and what are the blocks? So that was kind of my my first introduction. And then I had a really good friend introduce me to more of her work and I started following her. So she's my no BS spiritual director indirectly. Mm. And yeah, I've just, I've loved her work because it takes, she she doesn't let you feel sorry for yourself. And uh, so that I was on that, her mystical tour of Spain and met up. Just okay. before, oh, okay. Okay. before we <laughs> tell the story, can, can you explain a little bit about what the, yeah. what some of the factors might be at play about why somebody with the same injury as someone else, like why, why one person heals that it's, it's fascinating. And, and yeah, I'm really interested to yeah. hear what that might be or, or what some of the factors might be at play. Okay. The, I'm just thinking in, in terms of, Okay, I'll go to trying to use a personal experience here. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I'll, I'll, for me, so with hockey, hockey is I feel uh, 
sense of oneness when I play hockey. I am lost. I am in the moment. It's, it's present time. And I grew up, I wanted to be a hockey player too, John. I wanted to be the first woman in the NHL. That was my career choice. Mm. And then I hit 14 and realized, oh, the boys are faster than me for no reason <laughs> at all. They get, all of a sudden they, they turned 14, they got faster and stronger. Right. And so when I play hockey and I, I was actually, don't want to toot my own horn, but I was actually a really good hockey mm-hmm. player. And so when I was playing, there seems to be, that's where I got my recognition. That's where I felt like I was enough. I'd get recognized for playing. But you try to be humble at the same time. And in a, in a game where there's an expectation on you to be the hero, to score the goals, to help win the game, uh, we got into, and this was in my adult life, we were in a, in a final game and we were going into overtime. And I just felt this pressure that I had to help the team win the game. So what happens? Oh, I tweak my knee. So now I have an excuse. Well, if I don't do it, then, you know, it's because I had a sore knee, mm-hmm. right? And I didn't, I wasn't conscious of that mm-hmm. at that time. But that was part of that process. And when I became aware of it, it's like, okay, I did go out and I scored the goal <laughs> but, <laughs> and help win the game. But I don't always do that. But that was part of it. And the other one was the connection with the, the body and what we're doing is my shoulder injuries. Both of them happened in hockey. Uh, both of them happened when I'd had, uh, I was in a not a very good state when I went to play hockey. I was, I was very angry. I'd had a disagreement with somebody and, you know, you just, you're not, you're not there and you're not present. And after the second injury, which was like five weeks after the first, I, I didn't stop playing hockey after the first one. I just taped it up and kept going. Right. right? And yeah. I'd go in after the weekend and say, can you needle my shoulder, needle it and then tape it up again. And the second injury happened with a scuffle. You talked about me throwing the shirt over your shoulder. So yeah. <laughs> um, it was feeling good. The shoulder's feeling great. You know, I, I, I start to get back into playing like I like to play and rushing the net. And I play defense, but I was like that, you know, go down, take a shot in the net. And the, the goalie saves it. So I stop. I, I don't believe in charging the goalie. Well, I get knocked down from behind. Mm-hmm. not good like it's not cool because I, I I wasn't doing anything right so I turned around and shoved the person back now there's a scuffle in front of the net somebody comes on the other team and grabs my arm my my dislocated shoulder arm and pulls oh. on it to get oh. me out of the scuffle oh. and it was right back out and it was Yikes. like oh my gosh and the message I got from that was you can't play with that level of uh, aggression like uh, yeah, I guess aggression. You have to play for fun now, or you're going to keep getting hurt. We're going to keep hurting you until you change your mindset. Hmm. And that was the message. And that's when you go back to how the body heals, it's listening to the body's talking to you all the time. You know, it's like, oh, you know what? I got this gut ache, but I really want well, McDonald's. <laughs> and you eat McDonald's and you get the gut ache. And the body's telling you something. It's like, how high does it have to turn up the volume before you're going to listen? Why did you look at me when you said the McDonald's oh. thing? Because you <laughs> talked about McDonald's a lot <laughs> yeah. in your broadcast. <laughs> yeah. 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 Fair enough. At least the initial ones. Yeah, I haven't yeah. heard them in the later ones. But <laughs> So, yeah, the whole, the, the mental yeah. signals and, and the mindset yeah. and, and what that has to do with healing. And is it that... Sometimes the body isn't ready for the healing or, or like, or the injury is a microcosm of like the injury is trying to tell you something. And just by healing and getting back to doing what you're doing, that's not fixing the problem. Is, is that kind of what you're, you're getting at? 
Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's not all the time, but sometimes the, the injury is trying to take in a different direction. Mm-hmm. Like it's that whole, everything happens for a reason, but are you keep repeating the same thing over and over again? Right. Yeah. So, so it's not only that the, the mind controls the healing, but also the mind can control the injury or the illness is what. A little bit. You almost have to be out of your mind to heal actually. Cause our mind is telling us one thing, like telling us to get back in the game. You know, just tape up your shoulder, you'll be fine. You know, tape up the shoulder, you'll be fine. You're not giving it that rest time, right? And it wasn't fine. It wasn't strong enough. And my physio friend in White Rock, she says, Wendy, take six weeks off. <laughs> Don't be an idiot. Stop being an idiot. You know, stop. Tra- but my value was tied into right. being playing hockey. You know, my hockey friends and being good. And that's where my value was tied into. So when I took those six weeks off and there was somebody else who got to be, you know, as good or better the hero it was like it was really hard it was a really hard eye-opening thing for me it's like oh okay where's my value tied and i know jason talked about that too mm-hmm. right um yeah i was just gonna go there with the, with the with voice the, You're, you've been talking about different voices and yeah. like listening to your injury but also your mind and it's like wait a second what are all mm-hmm. these voices it almost seems like one of them is that ego that we talk about right that voice that yeah. that's like you know that needs that validation that needs that you know praise or or to score the winning goal yeah and so that trumps the perhaps other voice over here that's like but i'm not like from your shoulder that's like i can't like i can't do what you need me to do but that other voice is so loud you don't hear the yeah the shoulder voice is that what we're saying yeah and the natural healing process still occurs Hmm. in in many cases but the pain doesn't go away Hmm. right and so pain can be very limiting Mm -hmm. like and and the pain is real the pain is real. The pain is, you know, we've got, we've got the pain. Your body remembers pain because it's a warning signal. It's like, you know, don't touch that hot stove again. Right. right? That, you know, that's a warning. It's, you know, you touch that stove as a kid, you get that warning. It says, don't do that. You know, we, we're not supposed to do that. So pain, pain t- talks to us. And, you know, the pain, you, pain mixes with the memory. And the best I saw, I saw this Ted talk once I have to use this story because, mm-hmm. and this guy's, this guy's talking about the pain and how the emotional side, you know, they mix. And so he's, he's telling the story. I wish I could remember who did it, but Australian guy, I think. And he's, he's saying, you know, you're walking in the woods and a stick brushes up against you and you go, well, that's just a stick. No big deal. Right. Didn't really hurt that much. But then later you're, you're swimming in a snake comes by and brushes up against you and it bites you and it's a poisonous snake and you just about lose your leg the emotional attachment to that is so much greater than the stick so next time he's out he's healed he's lived and he's out walking in the woods and the stick brushes up against him again and this time it's like ah mm-hmm. you know oh my gosh and you know jumping around because right. it's pain that that pain signal has such an emotional attachment right. to it yeah and so there are techniques you know that that get into that and you have to realize that that's a trigger and mm. your football guy was it trevor was it who who does the, who did the talked about the football and he talked about triggers and having to go back to say where are the triggers right right what are the yeah. triggers and addressing them he talked about childhood triggers mm-hmm. right right so, right yeah so we have to find find what the trigger is and we have to turn down the volume mm-hmm. right so that's the top, but, but then some people, like I said, have an injuries, they get better, but it's, um, what I find too, is I've seen people who, you know, um, people, maybe a, a young girl in gymnastics and she doesn't want to do gymnastics, but her parents want her to do gymnastics, but she keeps getting hurt. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's that overlay, 
and or somebody who doesn't want to return to uh, a job you know versus the football player who wants to get back or the hockey player really wants to get back right yeah. so there's there's a motivational factor too and it's it's not that they're lying it's not the pain is like you said it's real it just can be turned up or turned down yeah but what's what's going on inside yeah and yeah it, that's a good way to put it yeah, yeah. and in in your example of of uh of creating value perhaps there was some something inside of you that knew you needed more value outside of hockey right and so mm-hmm. that injury gave an opportunity for, to create value that yeah. was not associated with just being a hockey player because to be a, a well-rounded person and and to you know become your true self there needs to be more than just you know I, i'm an athlete and, and we we've talked about that topic on on a few episodes as well as when when our identity is completely wrapped up in just one thing that is probably not going to be that thing that we are infinitely uh you know we're, we're in grave danger when when that thing inevitably finishes yeah um because what what are we then yeah whether it's a job or a or an uh, athletic pursuit yeah a lot of the work i've been doing with robert ohado i think it's amazing is is the shadow work right it's a shadow self and john asked me a little bit about archetypes and you know i, I study arc at an archetype if i just you know say nerd you know mm. something pops into mind right it's a it's a pattern it's a pattern we run so it could be athlete it could be clown i mean how many who is a class clown were you a class clown John? oh definitely yeah so yeah, class clown definitely. so you know and that's the the fool archetype but the interesting thing i just have to comment on this for you john so you don't feel like a fool but because you always mm. say that you always call yourself that but yeah. you know the fool the fool can fool you and they actually get very close to you um and they they're they're some of the best advisors Right. So the fool, because they get, you know, the fool, the jester gets close to the king. He's not really thinking he's getting close to the king so he can give it, give advisement. Right. So there's, there's the shadow and Mm. and light side to everything. And when you go back, it's like, you know, where did that initial wound you talked about your original self or your non-Facebook self, right? (laughs) Like the Facebook is that, that mass self or, you know, what we present to the world. And the, uh, when you go back, you know, I think of the Buddha baby. Right, right. The, you look at a baby or a puppy, and they don't do anything, but they're great. You know, everybody goes, "Oh, wow, wow, baby, they're great." Mm-hmm. And then, and then we have that original wound, right, where you don't feel good enough. Something happens, and and some people you've had on the, your podcast have had tremendous trauma. I had a great family growing up. Like I was like you, Andrew. Like it was, it's very loving. I don't remember a lot of fighting. Um, maybe with my brothers and sisters occasionally, but um, not my parents. Uh, it's. I always felt safe and secure there. Um, but you go back to those, you know, what's the first trigger? And for me, what I remember is my brother was adopted. I was four. And apparently that's a, a very significant age. My friend who's a speech language, language pathologist um, mentioned that. And, you know, that's a very significant age for us about feeling significant in our family. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, oh, they bought a boy. They wanted a boy. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's the first little. And. You know, the four-year-old thinks that, but we're not conscious of our thoughts. There's no blame, shame, right or wrong. It's just that's what a four-year-old thinks. Like, we can't go back and blame that four-year-old self because they wouldn't have thought any differently. But how were my parents supposed to know that I did that? So then it's like, okay, how do I find significance in the family? I become the helper child, Mm. good girl, helper child. And that's how, so I do things and I'll do them before my parents ask. And so now I develop that codependent. So I get value through helping people. And I get value through getting good grades in school and doing well in sports, right? So that's how I keep my safety and security within the family. 
right? So I'm not going to be kicked out, you know, just because they got a boy and I'm not a boy, mm-hmm. right? And it's it seems illogical as an adult, but then we carry it into our adulthood and it doesn't work as well for us. It kept us safe as kids, but not as adults. Yeah. And I know a large part of your first book was about how uh, certain beliefs or or behaviors really affected relationships yeah and i wonder uh is is that kind of mentality that helper mentality was that at play or or uh or did it develop differently in in later relationships oh no it started probably very early on and that's where the shadow work with robert and i first listened to is it's called uh dancing with your shadow archetype and he mentioned codependent and rescuer yeah. It's like, oh my gosh, like, mm. <laughs> I'm like a, code res- a codependent rescuer blood donor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's no wonder I went into this kind of field too of work, line of work. And right. I, I do have to, you have to be very careful of not overhelping. Mm-hmm. So I, am I the rescuer uh, that pushes somebody in the pool so I can save them? No, I don't think I'm quite that bad. But am I the rescuer that if I jump in and save you and I pull you out and say, okay, I saved you. Now you got to take me home and love me. Right. <laughs> yeah. I saved you. I'm yeah. not that one who can, you know, the lifeguard who saves you and then says, okay, bye-bye. Go on, go shoot, mm. right? Go live your life. Mm-hmm. I'm good here, right? So that's been, that's been very eye-opening. And one of the things that if anybody can identify with that, and it's the e- even the ego, like yeah. the ego, John, it serves a purpose for us. Like, I wouldn't be where I was as a physiotherapist if I didn't have an ego and want to be the best physio that I could be, you know, and and get recognition for it. That's my ego. But is our ego aligned with our soul purpose? So when we can keep our ego aligned with our soul purpose, then you feel in balance and you feel like you're living a coherent life. When you feel out of balance, it's because your soul purpose isn't aligned with your ego or your ego is out of the line. Absolutely. Put yeah. the ego in the back seat, right? Yeah. Like I was going to say, Jason talks all about that on his episode, yeah. Jason Dorlin. And he's like, the ego is coming whether you like it or not. Because I remember asking him that. Yeah. Well, the ego helped you. It helped you become an Olympian, you know, all this stuff. And he's like, yeah, the ego's coming. You just got to learn. Don't let him drive. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. And and Robin was yeah. the perfect counterpart for that. Exactly. Like she just ran because she loved to run. That right. was that's her right. sole purpose, right? That was and he thought that was crazy. Right? I know. <laughs> but but look at what she could do. Like yeah. it's just like like right. yeah, she let her sole purpose drive and the ego just came yeah. along, right? Yeah. And so so now I'm now I'm going back to you know you talking about those physical inju- injuries and the word alignment and, and what I'm hearing you saying is like if you're out of alignment with your true self or your essence um, perhaps that could that could feed an injury or create an injury or exacerbate an injury, yeah. which is which is very very interesting. Yeah. Um, that connection. Yeah, because I could throw it out to you just for a thought. You don't have to answer this question, John. But no, I will. You know, yeah. you know what? What? Unless what? It's too embarrassing. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, like uh, yeah, with your, with your shoulder. Yeah. You know what? What if? And it may not have come out yet, but you yeah. know what positive effect have you had from that shoulder? At this point in time. Yeah. So ego has definitely, you know, played a starring role in my life. A starring role. It's the best ego ever. I put my ego against anybody's any day. Were <laughs> you looking at your reflection? I, I'm sorry. Andrew, I forgot to the, bring the mirror. He's put down the glass so I can't stare at myself I, I've got a perfect mirror for you. It says, hello, gorgeous. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> but um, so with this shoulder injury, it's happened right, right at the same time as us doing our holiday lighting program. If you want Christmas lights, folks. Um, <laughs> and so I, I have to be up on ladders, be up hanging off roofs. And, and 
this, you know, I'm, I'm attempting, attempting to do it now. Opening up an A-frame is just taking your hands and raising them straight up in the air. And um, that's usually my job. You know, Justin takes like the big extension ladder and he works on that. And I take the A-frame and do all the other stuff. And I have been having to ask my employees to help like set up the ladder. And that's so difficult for me. And they know it's difficult. And they're almost giddy with seeing me having to do it. They're like, did, did you need something there, John? Did you, did you have something you want to ask me? I'm just like, could you? They're like, uh, a little bit louder, John. Uh, you want me to set up the ladder for you? All right, no problem. And and they love it, but but it's teaching me to be okay with it. And I remember Justin looking at me one time, and he's just like, dude, like, like what's the big deal? Of course, I'd love to help. You know, like like it's this is all in your own mind. Yeah. Like this is just you. <laughs> only you feel weird about this. Only this this only just affecting your ego. Everyone else wants to help. You know, and so it's just teaching me to like not be as in control which i've talked about on the podcast and just allow like do what i can do and be okay with that it doesn't reflect on my you know manliness or my you know strength or or things like that or your personal worth yeah my personal worth you're still good enough right you're still an amazing guy john yeah 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 i i I believe you yeah no no, you don't but but, you you know i gotta get it right down into my essence to truly believe that right or If I can add to it. Please do. Yeah. <laughs> I knew you would. He's like, oh boy, I got a lot to add. His mind's going over there. Yeah. <laughs> well, just, I recall the day and and perhaps the week that, that preceded the injury, you'd been seeking out some mental clarity mm. um, and, and kind of looking for something greater. And mm. it perhaps wasn't the intended opportunity for clarity because of the pain <laughs> that... That was part of it. Wendy is just laughing yeah, like crazy here. She knows. It. But that was your intention of, right. of going on that run and, and scramble to the top of the mountain was, was, was to seek further clarity and knowledge. And so you're saying, I got it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it wasn't necessarily the way I, I envisioned. Or, um, you know, we don't like to learn through pain. But right. But pain is often our greatest teacher. But right. we, but remember the difference between pain and suffering. Right. We when yeah. we evolve, we go through pain, mm. and when we repeat, we suffer. Mm. That's my Robert Hurtado mm. quoting. I love right? that. Yeah. 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 And, and right. I was laughing because it made me think of a story, and this one wasn't mine, but that's so true, right? Yeah. Like, like when when I was going through my my you know prehysterectomy mm-hmm. kind of time and i was like my my blood levels my hemoglobin was so low that when i went to the hospital to get blood transfusions they're like yeah 41 you're usually not standing i was like well my doctor told me it was 41 and to get here to get some blood right like like mm-hmm. it was during that time was when i got to do a lot of reflection mm-hmm. because you know i could right. barely walk you know, I go for a walk and I want to lay down on the side of the road and have a nap. Right. And this is somebody who exercises yeah, just invigorate, like and, it's yeah, athlete yeah, yeah. and define, yeah. oh my gosh, what, you know, what am I, what am I, who am I yeah. if I'm not an athlete, oh, right? Wow, yeah. you know, I'm now an aging athlete, mm-hmm. right? Or my, my friend Shelly, who lives in White Rock, and she said to me once, mm-hmm. she said, yeah, I'd like to spend the summers, you know, not working and, and being home with the kids, but she broke her hand playing baseball. You can't work as a physiotherapist with one hand. I said, well, you did say you want to stay home with the kids. She said, but not like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Careful what you wish for. It, well, it teaches right? you what's important in life too, right. right? Yeah. And it's so hard, John, I know, as somebody who's the helper giver, and that's mm-hmm. where we get our value to be the receiver mm-hmm. and the recipient. I get in yeah. trouble from my friend all the time. She says, you're not a good receiver. I'm like, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well... 
we could maybe go from one mountain store to another because yeah. you had started to tell yours earlier and then and then yeah. we got we sidetracked yeah. as we often do so do you yeah. want to kind of pick that one back up okay yeah uh so i'm I, i'm doing the mystical tour of spain uh and carolyn mace and uh i'm turning 51 on this this trip so i've decided like at 50 i threw myself a big party it was great and uh at 51 i kind of went more inward and uh so on this trip of spain i'm that's where i met robert ojado who's who's totally kind of changed my life 180 and i'm very grateful mm. and so we're in we're in mount surat and it is a working monastery for those who don't know, it's about an hour and a half outside of Barcelona. And you're driving in and, and it's just like these sand castles, big sand castles in the sky. And so you get up there and there's just a real mysticism about it anyway, because it's a working monastery, the Black Madonna's there. And I am, I'm going to clarify, because everybody has to clarify, I'm not religious in the sense that I don't go to church, but I, I do feel, I do believe in a God and I do believe in a power greater myself and that we all need to work together. And mm-hmm. so I'm there and I'm just taking it all in. And that morning, it was my birthday. I turned 51 and I got up early. The sun's coming, actually, the sun's coming out, packed my back backpack up with just some some provisions and I, I'm going to go up, follow this path up to the top. And, you know, before class starts at 10. And so I, I started out and this there's it's steep. It is like super, super steep going up. Like I can't believe these monks actually could build stairs there just in the side of this mountain. And I'm two of my classmates only went part way up and they're coming down and they said there was some ram on the side of the, the mountain. So I got my big camera out, got this big, you know, big zoom lens. I got it ready and I came around and I've got this beautiful shot of uh, the sun hitting the the mountain goat and big ram horns and with the rock lit in this golden sunlight behind it mm. national geographic quality yeah. i'm gonna pat myself on the back yeah yeah, yeah. Submit it. yeah. <laughs> and so i'm i'm going up and i get about a third of the way up and i'm i'm being the good girl that i am i'm thinking oh i wonder how much longer this is going to take you know i need to get down i should have some breakfast and and get to class and i thought no the quote from thomas merton is you know this day will never come again Mm. I got to keep going. This day mm. will never come again. I got food. I can be late. You know, David will videotape it. I could probably give Carolyn's talks anyway. I've listened to her so much. <laughs> <laughs> so I keep going. And again, and then this monk comes down. He passes me. I think he might have passed me on the way up too. So he ran past me and ran back down. And I'm another, I'm two thirds of the way up now. And I'm looking, I'm thinking, oh gosh, I'm not going to make this. No, no, no. This day will never come again. This is your birthday. You know, just do it. Right. And so I kept going and I made it to the top and there was this, like, it was just this awe, this awe. Like I've, I've, you know, studied mysticism and I'm, I'm still in the process of it and, you know, feeling, trying to feel whole. And I just felt connected. Like, it's like whenever you get out in nature, you just feel connected. But that was just this defining moment. And I just stood up there on my birthday and was like, thank you for giving me life. Like, just thank you. And I actually ran down the stairs, ran down, made it down half an hour, had my breakfast, went to class on time, even had a shower. (laughs) And it was just, I was so exhilarated and so just like energized. Some of my my classmates were like, what, Wendy, what did you do? What's what's going on? So I told them like, well, take us up tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So I led a group up the next day, but it was just the most exhilarating experience. And partly because like three years ago, I couldn't have done that. Like I could barely walk up a flight of stairs three years ago without having to sit. I actually did once have to sit down and catch my breath. Like my, my blood levels were that low. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So it was just like, thank you. Mm-hmm. And uh, the next day when I led the group up, we actually, I did a Carol and Mace uh, entering the castle prayer for them all at the top and they were just all mm-hmm. so moved. So it was just, it was just a f- fabulous experience. What, what do you think you were opening yourself up to in that experience that, that you could potentially dig into or utilize in a, in a different opportunity? I think for me, one of the biggest struggles is when we talk about the ego self versus the, you know, your soul purpose. And it's, I, I listen to, I do a morning meditation and I listen to Carolyn Mace's Entering the Castle prayer, which takes you into the depths of your soul. And then I let it shuffle. And one of the, the things that it shuffles to is always, is this my voice or is this God's? Mm-hmm. You know, is this my ego purpose or is this my soul purpose? Is, um, am I doing this because I'm feeling like I'm not enough and I have to, this is it made me think of Adam and uh, do I have to fill that hole? Right. Am I trying to help because I'm not enough? Am I trying to do this, I'm playing this, whatever I'm doing, am I doing it from not enough or am I doing it because I am enough? I like myself, I love myself, and I want to serve. And that's the same thing when you go back to healing. It's that is, you know, if someone has to, if, if they're getting, you know, the, the being guided maybe to change their nutritional habits, you know, why won't they change, right? Or why, why does an addict have a hard time giving up the addiction? Because it, it fills that hole, right? Like we eat to block, we fill the hole. And when we're doing that, we can't get to that enoughness. So when you say, you know what, I'm going to change what I'm doing. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to attend the monkey bar gym, you know, shout out for Simon, mm-hmm, or definitely. I'm going to work with a personal trainer. I'm going to do the yoga. I'm going to eat a little better because I am enough, not because I'm not enough. Or right? by doing this, I will be enough. I will be enough. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's so you're searching for, you're searching. You think that. once I do enough of these things, mm-hmm. I will get to that point where I yeah. can finally smile with joy and be like, yeah. I am enough. Yeah, you know? that's what that's what I felt like on the top of the mountain. Like right. I am enough, yeah. just because I'm here. Right, I am enough just because I'm here. But a lot of people think they'll be able to say that once they do all these things. It's conditional, yeah. right? Yeah, that's the destination addiction. Right, right. It's yeah, like, yeah. You, you talked talk about, about that. that. Was that the success success paradox? Yes, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, and I like destination addiction too. That's a really yeah. good. That's Robert Holden's work. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I haven't heard that before. Yeah. I like it a it's lot. It's a good one. Yeah, yeah. It, it just complete it makes complete sense and and it's yeah it'll never the cycle will never stop you have to change your mindset yeah and that's that's when it comes to healing too like i know you talked about a little bit about the shoulder injury well and you can go back to the physical self is what causes injury you know we 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 look at the emotional self and what causes injury but what causes physical injury you're going to have a trauma right so you're going to fall down right scrambling um you're going to have repetitive strain or postural strain we say, mm-hmm. okay, what contributed? You know, yours was trauma, but what contributed to the trauma? My shoulder traumas was my attitude. Like I was playing very, you can say assertively, but it was probably more aggressively, to be mm-hmm. honest. Like it was not just assertive. I was I was playing quite aggressively yeah. um, with a charge of anger, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and mine, I I I I heard my my real voice as I was as I was ascending on that. Um, that slopey, you know, slippery Craig. And I heard my voice be like, no, just be done here. And I was like, no, I, I want to get to the top. Yeah. I have to get to the top. 
and it's like nobody even knows I'm doing this. Like, what? What do you mean? Like, who's going to be disappointed if you don't get to the? Oh, you didn't make it to the top, John. But I felt like I had to do it. Yeah. And and I and I felt like I felt it being like, no, 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 mm. don't do it. Yeah. I didn't listen. Yeah. Right. So and, I know exactly why I did this because yeah. it was like I didn't listen. Yeah. So you heard the voice but didn't listen. Didn't listen. Which is like the metaphor for life, right? No, like it is. We get we get these yeah. voices and we don't listen. It like, was clear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. so how will you use yeah. that experience to to learn to listen to that voice better in the future? Yeah. Um, well, pain will remind me, right? It's like you know, if if I don't, then I'm gonna find myself, you know, incapacitated or basically on the sidelines for a few months. Yeah. As opposed to staying in the game. Yeah. It's like if you want to stay in the game, then you gotta you gotta listen to the gotta voice. Listen. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. and so discerning the voice, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about that. You know, we've we've talked about all these varied voices and the listeners might be like, How do I know if, which one's pure? <laughs> like we say the true soul or the true self, we we use that term and with the ego or the lesser self. How how can you determine the Yeah. So your point in here, you got the heart and the head, right? Heart and the head. Am okay. I in my head right. or am I in my heart? Okay. And that's the mm. the feel first. And, and this goes with my physio practice. Feel first, ask later, mm. process later. Mm. So feel first. You know, you know, you put your hand on your heart. So the say, intuition. Yeah, the intuition. You've talked about that with a couple right. episodes, yeah. right? The the hand on your heart and, you know, what do I feel to be true? Mm. Not what do I know to be true. What do I feel to be true? because mm-hmm. we don't a, we don't really know anything right <laughs> no right. yeah like even science like you can go back and, and look at scientific papers right and there's you know a study out on you know natural remedies for depression versus you know um, medication for depression and and this came from a, a, a doctor psychiatrist I, I heard speak the other day on a on a YouTube video and he was saying that that study said oh the natural remedy has no benefit it is of not a benefit but it was no benefit for severe depression you know versus mild and moderate which it did have some benefit for right so it's what what they put out there so that's of no benefit but it actually is it's like walking it can be beneficial for mild to moderate depression but it doesn't do it for severe mm-hmm. depression right but so who was paying for that study who paid for it so it's <laughs> like yeah or or this the whole concept of neuroplasticity like the the brain is neuroplastic it it can change but that's and it's just coming out but it's not new information because they didn't publish the studies that were actually showing it early on because it didn't fit with the whole paradigm that they were believing hmm. right well that doesn't support our our you know a thesis mm-hmm. or our theory so we're we're negating it mm-hmm. so it's it, it Practicing evidence-based practice, which is what McMaster University is all about, right? Evidence-based practice is the best evidence that we have. And we had to, you know, you have to go through it. And like I said, how many people does it apply to this population? You know, you have to scrutinize it using our Sackett cards, which, you know, um, but you take the your, best your evidence. Joe Sackett hockey cards? Yeah, is that, is yeah, that I that wish is? it was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, you know, there's there's this, these cards that we had to follow when we were scrutinizing the, the evidence, right? You, you, we'd all run, we get this problem, we all have to run to the library and we get all the research articles and that's when the days that you had to go search and pull them out and photocopy them and I get stacks of them. And you go through them and you try to find, you know, and scrutinize a study. 
and you take the best and and you know for physiotherapy there aren't a lot of good quality studies out there i'm just just saying um but i've seen clinical clinically what works right so you take your best evidence you apply clinically what works and the longer you're doing it the the more clinical you know evidence you might have and then you, you throw in a little intuition in that mm-hmm. too because some people will say well how do you know how did you know like i came in my shoulder pain and you're working in my lower back like what's going on there or i came in with low back pain and you're working on my ribs and it's just you just you feel first and then say okay what did i just do <laughs> yeah and that that idea of of like head or heart or and feeling first what it requires is pause you know it, you can't just immediately make a decision because then you'll probably go with head right yeah it it requires that that stillness and and a little bit of a pause to actually process and and get in touch with what's really going on which yeah. we're so akin to not doing yeah. and just in the moment quick decision move on yeah. and and then it's like it's not even it's not feel first it's not think later it's just like quick let's let's move on and and may, maybe i don't want to take that second to to feel first and, and figure out what is really going on yeah but you know the ego's pretty sly and sometimes he hijacks the heart it's a trickster right mm. oh yeah right and then he's like <laughs> okay okay you're gonna get over the head well hijack the heart and then sometimes you find yourself being pulled along by pure emotion which we've talked about before yeah. you act out of emotion and that's not from your higher place no. even though it's from your heart and so when we say heart, we're not, you know, speaking in literal terms. Yeah. Right. We just we have to recognize that um, that they're both connected for sure, but but it's almost that that lesser part or that motive or that source of motivation that it's coming from. Right. Yeah. If it's to self glorification or actualization, then then yeah. it's often the wrong place to go. Yeah. So it's not not just like emotion can always be trusted. Right. Yeah. It can be hijacked. And, and I'll, I'll be perfectly honest with you that. Uh, up until uh, a few years ago I didn't you know did I didn't let my emotions out mm-hmm. like I was pretty neutral but any any shadow or you want to call them negative emotions they got swept under the rug mm-hmm. like it was like when you know my my heartbreak from you know my my country music guy you know it when I was so I was so heartbroken with that it's like eh, I'm never gonna let myself feel that way again mm-hmm. sweep it under the rug pick up you know put your big girl pants on and get going but it follows you, you know, and mm-hmm. it wasn't until I, I started working with a counselor mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, she, she helped me bring my emotions to the table and recognize and have a good friend. And I remember, you know, going through, when you're going through perimenopause and you're, you're, everything's out of whack and your blood levels are low. I tell you, it was like, who am I? Mm-hmm. Like, and I was very emotional. And I remember like having my head on my friend's table, just bawling after a tough day at work or something that happened and she just looked at me like she's not going to coddle me she looks at me says hmm, wendy what are you angry at <laughs> it's like piss off yeah. <laughs> i'm not angry i'm crying i'm yeah. not angry yeah. you know but i went home and you know wrote out i am angry i am angry i was like two pages holy crap i really was angry you know mm-hmm. so it's it's but i've never been good at that and it was mm. you know you you talked about the iceberg right mm-hmm. and that what's below the iceberg yeah. and and when did it when did like that was a question i asked like when was it okay for when when did i when was it not okay for me to feel angry 
Mm-hmm. Right. When did that not be okay? I said, my parents, I said, when, when did, when did it not be okay for me to feel angry? And my dad said, well, you didn't learn it from your mom. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and she said, well, maybe she did. Maybe, you know, when I got emotional, got a little, little hot under the collar, maybe that made me turn inward. But, you know, it'd be a simple thing. Like, uh, uh it was, a, I was working with a client and we were talking about this uh, emotional stuff with her while I'm working on her. And, I told her that and I said, I, yeah, that's the question I have is when did, when was it okay for not me not to be angry? And she said the word pricklies. I went, what did you say? She said pricklies. Well, there was a book growing up that my parents read to us, TA for Tots, talked about warm fuzzies and cool pricklies. Mm-hmm. And my for, my younger self, I don't know how old I was, was went, oh, I got to be nice to everybody. I can't, I can't show that prickly emotion mm. you know because when you show that prickly emotion you know like maybe my brother did you know you got in trouble mm. i'm like i'm a good girl i'm not getting in trouble mm. <laughs> not mm. that you can see anyway right. i wasn't always a good girl just so you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> confession <laughs> not, not on the hockey rink <laughs> oh god no no um so the, the whole idea of, of this like building self-awareness and and figuring out how we operate and, and what's really going on um that's kind of what you're getting at here yeah. and and uh the, the process that you went through to better understand yourself and i'm, I'm curious so you mentioned um speaking to a counselor and, and doing some writing and and processing that way was there anything else that that listeners might be able to utilize as a, a method of building self-awareness and, and finding out why these things that we do but maybe don't help us um, where where they come from and how we might be able to overcome them. I think that it's it's again the listening, and you said taking the pause, like uh, having the time to to do some reflection work. And it's um, how many people out there have some sort of daily spiritual practice? You know, whether it's your yoga, your med- you guys meditate. You talked about meditation. Um, it's just getting still, and you don't have to you know sit cross legged and hum to meditate. You, you, nature if you go for a walk in nature and are present you know and just be oh okay the birds are chirping this this that don't let your mind go to the the busyness of what you have to get done you know yeah andrew andrew described it beautifully the other day on a spirituality episode which will be coming out actually um and he talked about um, how he connects with spirituality because he jokes. You know, I'm not religious. I'm agnostic. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Um, well, I don't mean it like that. But <laughs> I, I know. Yeah. Well, this is the way. Blah blah blah. He knows what I mean. <laughs> um, he talks about um, he connects deeply with nature. Yeah. And um, we were we were getting to the bottom of it. What is that connection? And, and the word stillness and nature doesn't really demand anything of you. Right, so you're able to get still when you go on the mountain, or or kayak, kayak. Or, or go on those amazing hikes that he goes on. Yeah, you get that stillness. You connect with this nature, which doesn't demand anything. It's just neutral, and you can finally hear those voices we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. and dis- decipher them, and be like, "Well, oh, wait a second, oh, or those archetypes that mm-hmm. come up. You know, yeah. I need attention. I need this. Yeah. I need that. Just, My codependent. <laughs> you know, yeah. just be still. Yeah. You know, and it, it's the lost it's, art in our culture. Yeah. And it's the the hugging like if you look at the picture of of my book right it's um mm-hmm. that's probably the most proudest thing of, of of that and i had an artist work with me but i had the idea you know coming out of the castle yeah which is protection right mm-hmm. i'm coming out of the castle mm. um i've she put me in pink which is interesting because i don't yeah. really wear pink, but she put me in pink. That, yeah. yeah but i've got <laughs> half armor on half off right so again and exposing the heart putting down the sword of wrath which is wrath is 
the uh, fourth chakra, one of the, the mm. deadly sins of the fourth. Yes, you know, it's right. wrath, right? So yeah. putting down the sword of wrath and giving flowers to the dragon. And the dragon in that represents my ego, right? So I'm, I'm hugging my dragon. I'm giving flowers to my dragon. I'm loving that part of myself and not seeing it as a bad thing, right? So it's, it's mm. being able to recognize that these are all parts of ourselves, like right. light, light or dark, right? They're part of the whole. Like it's just, it all comes from one source and it doesn't mean that you're bad. It's just recognizing that it's there. And, and it's the, the other thing I learned from Robert Ohado is that we don't get rid of it. We can deactivate it. We can right. bench it. And I was using, go back to the hmm. sports analogy. It's like, okay, so my like yeah. codependent blunt donor, unrequited rescuer lover is going to be benched. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot there, isn't there? There was. You need an <laughs> yeah, acronym. You, you don't maybe. have to. You don't have to ask me why I'm still single, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and and that's an obstacle in itself. And then next question. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Andrew's going to file that away. Yeah, I know his brain. And but it's bringing in the mystical, the, the mystical lover, right? Mm-hmm. For me, it's bringing in the mystical yeah. lover that loves from the point that I am enough, right? Right. Yeah. And and going with that. And or you know if if you if you go back to your four year old child who feels unsafe, mm-hmm. calling in your mystical parents, right? Because mm-hmm. what does a child want? They just want to be held. They just want to feel safe, right? Mm-hmm. So those ones you can call on yourself or from whatever, you know, and nature can do that. And when you're quiet, you can bring those in. Absolutely, yeah, yeah that's been my experience yeah. for sure. And and when I'm out of line, um, or when I'm misaligned, mm-hmm. that's what I need to get back to it is, yeah. and, and it, it's not necessarily that experience for everyone, but it, what's most important is that we're aware of, of how we can return to alignment, whether it's writing, whether it's reading something of, of importance and then processing it, whether it's meditation, yeah. whether it's time yeah. in nature, yeah. whether it's community can be any number of things. And it's easy to do and it's easy not to do. And that's a quote from a book. I can't remember, but that easy to do and easy not to do. And you've mentioned, uh, you know, the, the being off course, the ship off course, a few degrees, you know, every day, if you're just a few degrees off course, you end up over here mm-hmm. with maybe an illness and you got to, if you're way off course and when you get that diagnosis of the illness, you got to course correct a lot, mm-hmm. but yeah. you can, you know, di- balance is dynamic. Like there really isn't such a thing as static balance. Like right. you don't, you're, even when you're standing on one leg and you look like you're perfectly still, your muscles are working. Oh, for sure. They're working and, and you have to work. Like if you don't use it, you will lose it. That's, that's one of like, physically, if you don't use it, you will lose it. So anything in life, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. Mm-hmm. And it's just course correcting a little bit every day. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And being aware of it. Yeah. I mean, that's the first step. Yeah. I wanted to go back just a little bit. Um, you know, you, you kind of talk briefly about the time when you're going through, um, you're, it sounds like you're almost anemic, right? With your blood mm-hmm. levels and, and just... I was. No, yeah, not almost. I you really were, was. Yeah, yeah. anemic, right? Yeah. So no energy. I mean, this super athlete with, with tons of like this, this star who scores the overtime goal all of a sudden can't walk a few steps without having to, having to sit. I'm guessing you went through some dark nights in terms of like mentally processing this kind of new reality of your life. Maybe take us into what that felt like when, when the darkness was there and, and how you found your way out of that. Well, when it, when it originally started, and you know, he just it's like, oh, perimenopause stuff, oh, here we go, you know. And and then they, um, through some, some 
uh, on ultrasound, they found a, an inner uterine fibroid that was about the size of a, a softball. Wow. And thought, okay, there's some reason for it. So, you know, started working with a naturopath and, and Chinese acupuncturist and, and you know, wasn't fully compliant with, with some of the stuff. But I, I'm, I'd like to go natural first. And running a business, which I talked about in the newsletter, um, I, where you're the cash flow, mm-hmm. <laughs> I couldn't take time off. Like, so when they said, oh, here are your options. You can, you can do this. You can do the ablation or you can have a hysterectomy. I was like, oh, I can't take six weeks off. So that's not an option at this point in time. And I'll see if I can manage it. And, you know, for the first year, I felt like I was doing okay. And then I have an ultrasound and here's the power of the mind, have this ultrasound. And now it's doubled in size, mm-hmm. but I was, my symptoms weren't that bad. But as soon as I got that ultrasound results, it was like, boom. And then it just started getting worse. Mm. And it was, you know, hard to play hockey. I kept playing, but it's just like, I'm going to keep going, right? And uh, but you can feel yourself crumbling. You're like, okay, what do I do now? Okay, I put off doing the ablation. Then when they went to do the ablation, it was too big now. It had tripled in size. So in three years, it had tripled in size. And I had modified my diet, but maybe not enough. Uh, You know, I was just trying everything. And it got to the point where it was, you know, something's going to, something's going to give here. Like it's telling me that I can't keep going. And that's when Brendan came into my life. Um, he's another physiotherapist was working in another clinic and I thought, hmm, I wonder if I can steal him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to steal another therapist. And so we met up and, and after the first meeting, I went back to the office. I thought, no, I got that I got a little, little voice and it just said, ask him. And I knew what I was supposed to do. So I sent him off an email and said, Brendan, if you want to ever start your own clinic, come see me because I want to sell. Mm. And again, I was thinking five years. I thought I could, I could, I could do it. And I was, and it, it's it, doing it alone too, John. You think yeah. again, not asking for help, right? Yeah, okay. um, and so he had a one-year plan. So we did the one-year plan, and that was when once once I sold the clinic, it was like my body said, "Okay, now's the time. Mm-hmm. Like just go." And it was that I, I'd already sold the clinic. Um, before it got really bad. So I was still managing, but once I sold the clinic, it was just like, okay, you got to get this done. Mm-hmm. So it took the summer to get there, but it was hard because but I was still trying to work out and do my best and keep going. And But it, it's uh, it's that I'm not invincible. Mm-hmm. And it, the hard part, just like you with your shoulder, was asking for help, mm-hmm. right? Trying to... Because what does that mean about you? What does that mean about you? I'm a dysfunctionally you... independent person. Right. I'm a dip. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you have to ask for someone to help or, or if you can't do it, what's that say about you? Right. You're not enough. Yeah. There, there it is again. Yeah. There's that support. Like I'm not enough. And I hadn't yeah. done a lot of this work by then either. Cause yeah. yeah. So I'm going to go back to that question about relationships and, and because you've written and, and believe in the, the principle of choice and that, and that we, we are in control and we, we choose our lives. So about, you know, why are you single? Which is what, you know, yeah. you said earlier, no wonder I'm single. Yeah. Um, and, and so why, why might you be choosing that? Because it felt safer. It, uh, like I said, you go back to and said, Oh, I'm never, I never want to get hurt like that again. Right. So you kind of, the, the unrequited lover just stays in relationships where they can't be reciprocated. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it's safe because you can't reject me because you're really not available anyway. Right. Mm. So you, you, it's a, it's an avoidance of rejection. Yeah. And, and then Which what's really hard to admit. I may, <laughs> might be start sweating on this one. I think you got the sweaty palms going. <laughs> Perfect. You give, you give Andrew a kernel and he's going to grab it. <laughs> so, so what's, what's then the process of overcoming that? It's, it's going into 
the doing the the shadow work and recognizing exactly that and recognizing what my patterns are and then evolving through it and and letting myself be open and available and um, it's to, it's that whole pain against suffering uh-huh. dynamic as well right yeah mm. it's like yeah. Lear- learning from past pain rather than yeah. suffering and recognizing the pattern too like you have to recognize the pattern first and sometimes you recognize it and you're like yeah i'm not willing to change that because i don't want to go through the dark night right right i don't want to go there it's like okay no i'm gonna st- what do you call it? Comfortable misery? Com- comfortably miserable. Comfortably yeah. miserable. Yeah. Right? So yeah. like this is safe. I'm quite comfortable, you know, and, but mm. if I go there, I could get hurt. Mm. I, I don't want to go there. Maybe I'll just, you know, yeah. And, and then, how- and you stay, you stay busy, right? You know, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm running a clinic. I got my dog. I don't have time you know, for that. Anyways, you know, I don't right? have time for that. Exactly. And, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and it's, yeah. it's also approaching it from, you know, are we seeking a relationship because we're feeling not enough? Right. And and a relationship, next relationship that I have, I, I want it to be from I am enough and you're enough and we're enough. But, you know, if you're not here with me all, ever, all the time or you want to go do something, that doesn't mean rejection. Right. Yeah, that's such a strong point. Oh, yeah. Sure. Oh, yeah. Because how many years ago was that heartbreak? It was a long time ago. Right. I didn't want to say. No, right. <laughs> so, I mean, we're talking, like, we're de- talking in my 20s. Decades, yeah, right? Yeah, decades. So decades ago. And, yeah. and for decades, this, yeah. this narrative that you've, that this this ironclad narrative that you've I'm created. I'm not going to get hurt. Right. No. And and it's made sense to you. Just touching that hot stove. It's yeah. like, oh. <laughs> it's so easy to do. Yeah. I, I do think there's something a little bit poetic about it, being that he was a country singer, too. <laughs> and, and, and just... You know, you, you call yourself like you, you do poetry yourself and just the, the whole idea of heartbreak and country singer and yeah, yeah, the hot stove. I'm sure there's there's a song in there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, 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 you see my Porter Brothers uh, t-shirt on, give them a plug. But uh, if you want to listen to a good country song, uh, Jack has created the, the shitty country song. Oh, yeah? You can find them on Spotify. Is that what it's called? Yeah, it's called The Shitty Country Song. Nice. It's pretty good, so you got to listen to that one. Perfect. Yeah. Bo Burnham's got a pretty good one, too. I was just going to say. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my favorite ones. Yeah. Well, Jack, Jack's 19. Oh, well. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So. Cool. Anyway. Well, um, one question that I, I've had for kind of the, the greater listeners out there is, what is um, a pattern that you see in, in our culture or society uh, that, consistently leads to to poor health that people don't gen- generally address well again going outside my scope of practice uh it's nutrition that would be i would say if you had to choose eating something healthy versus exercise i would say eat something healthy first and then sleep and then exercise Right. And then again, your quiet time and picking exercise that fulfills you. Like even stop calling it exercise. Let's call it movement or adventure, move or adventure. Have fun. How about play? Yeah. That's where the monkey bar gym came out of. Right. Right. Just just go back to play. Like, and if you have kids, you know, and you don't like running, don't run. Just chase the kids, play tag, Mm -hmm. you know, play tag with them. Yeah. Yeah. There's just, and it's, I, I, you know, being a single person, no kids, like no dependence other than my dog and I can take my dog for a walk. He got me, he got me going through it because mm-hmm. I had to take him for a walk. Right. So, um, you know, you do, you get caught up in taking care of everybody else. And I do see that. And, and so it's harder for me to speak to that because I'm not like 
I can go to work. I can choose to take on as many clients as I want. I, you know, when you're when your own, like I always say, I'm, I'm, my own, I'm my own mama. I tell myself what to do, but I have to pay all the bills myself. Right? So I still have to. It's not that you know. It's, it is easier to have someone else to help you with those things, but it's just to to do the activities with the kids. I grew up, and my parents. We my I remember my dad. This is such a fond memory. Um, but he'd be up waxing our skis like the old-fashioned waxing these cross-country skis for everybody in the family and we go as a whole family and go cross-country skiing or snowshoeing like we did that stuff together Mm. so you know you can stay active with your family if you have a family yeah i love Mm. the idea of play yeah Um, just make it play that is that is becoming a lost art for sure and uh just the idea of for the sake of play yeah. Just play, you know, yeah. it doesn't even have to be like a playing under, you know, in this time, you no. know, it like doesn't have to be connected to a goal or because no. then it's not play all of a sudden, yeah. right? We like talk five about minutes. That. Yeah. It's yeah. like, well, I stopped doing triathlons because they felt too much like work. Right. Like well, it was, yeah. a, it was a goal. It was, it I wanted to, because yeah. I wanted to overcome all this IT band stuff right. and I can't do it. But I, I worked myself up to a half Ironman. Right. And I was like, yeah. someone said, oh, when you, because I, I wanted to prove that at 40, I wasn't getting older. I was getting mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. someone said, well, what happens when you turn 50? You're going to do a full. And I said, no, that was too much work, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, running, you know, running. And some people enjoy it. Like they just, they love it. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I'm going to go kayaking. Mm-hmm. I love being on the water and right. connecting with nature or there's somebody with me. You know, we have these um, deep conversations or if I'm by myself, you know, connecting with the universe or yeah. Yeah. I, I love the idea of play as well. And for, for those reasons, and also because we take ourselves so damn seriously all the time, we think everything is life and death and in our relationships in in our work environments, in our, even, you know, in yeah. our competition or, or our physical pursuits, you know, it's achieving, striving, getting better, doing our best. But play is kind of the antithesis of that. It's like, okay, no, it's it. It doesn't matter that much. Let let's play in our relationships. Let's play with our partners. Mm-hmm. Let's let's play with our dogs. Let's let's just relax. And you know, we're we're all going to die at some point. And then, what does it matter anyways? If if we take ourselves seriously, that we just stress ourselves out. We just it it um it takes away from our lives. But but play and and. Um, that that balance, I think, is 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 what we need. It's it's a remedy for a lot of our ills. Remember, sure. the, I don't know. I'm old, but we got to go out. I played all day long. Oh man, all day long out in the okay. backfield. Like it was a big. We're going to all field. sound old here talking about forts <laughs> and all this kind of stuff. Well, I built a fort. Yeah, we yeah, built exactly. forts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Th- there's this movie, and it's just so hilarious because they say like, "You guys put down the iPad and go outside and play," and they're like play what and they're like go build a fort they're like like on- online like, we, like minecraft build a fort? minecraft i'll, like, I'll build it on what minecraft. do you yeah <laughs> what do you even mean right and it's just such a different but but same with us like i remember getting in trouble because i came home and i missed supper like that that happened all the time right because growing up in the prairies yeah. and you're in ontario right you play hockey outside yeah road hockey right you're, yeah car or or, or the, the the pond freezes over and you can play literally like there's no there's oh, no yeah. doesn't cost anything you just play yeah. all day you come home yeah. with frozen feet and your, your mom kind of scolds you but also is kind of glad that you're out there getting getting some exercise and that that is definitely a lost um art in our mm-hmm. culture for sure and there's a, probably a, a lot of reasons for that but oh just that there's that play the kick the can the, 
Yeah. Oh, the, Red Rover. Yeah, I was hiking <laughs> with my kids the other day, or we were just walking through our little neighborhood, and we walked through this beautiful park, and I was like, oh, man, this this area was it was um, just uh, right where I live, uh, Heronswood, and I was just like, uh, oh, man, this would be the perfect place for kick the can, and they're like, like what is what is that? What do you mean kick the? Oh man, we could hide in the forest and, or we'll capture the flag even, you know. Oh, yeah. And they I was were just, just like they capture the flag. Like why? Yeah. They just kind of like why though? Like who would even come out here? I'm like, why aren't there a million kids out here right now? It's a beautiful night, but I don't. <laughs> there's a lot of reasons why that's changed, I guess. Right? Maybe safety. Maybe you know, I don't know. Your helicopter parents. Helicopter. Yeah. yeah. Lawnmower parents. Or the lawn, lawnmower. Yeah, that's a good yeah, one. The lawnmower one. I've never right? heard that one. Where they yeah. go mow down all the obstacles yeah. in front of everyone. Mm-hmm. Who yeah. that said that again? Well, even I mean, yeah. even there's there's. In Shimanis, there was a big thing about, you know, the kids can't play in that little right. subdivision. Yes. I was like, seriously? What? Yeah, they, they were play? shutting down the road hockey. Yeah. And one resident got mad and he was trying yeah. to create a law. Yeah, The kids law. couldn't play anymore, which is sad. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, sad. It's our social constructs that are that are changing that that mm. idea. And yeah, it's up to us to, to change the culture. And Consumers drive it, right? We drive it. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Driving a bus. Mm-hmm. Uh, one more question that I had that I, I was interested in, in your perspective on what what might be um, a um, a belief or a practice in in the work that you do in your field that is commonly accepted but you might take exception to. I think it's it's our over focus on the physical and the negating the other things, um, mm. and you know people have sometimes a hard time dealing with people with chronic pain um, issues because we don't understand them because we're not taught like we don't get we don't get taught within the physio realm at least I didn't when I went through school about the impact of psychosocial on the body and the healing process and a lot of times you can get frustrated very early on it's like you know um, why isn't this person getting better like they're not doing their work they're you know something's missing right like but and you get so over focused on the physical and I have I have treated people who you know have had injuries like 20 years ago and they're suffering with chronic pain and with the modalities modalities that I spoke about with the IMS and the shockwave and the biophotomodulate or photomodulation the laser treatments they're 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 recovering and it was just that it wasn't, we, we missed part of the picture. We focused too narrowly on one spot. Um, and I, I've done it myself, you know, as a physiotherapist, I have a client, she has followed me from 2001, everywhere I've gone. You know, when I, when I worked at, um, she came to me six months after a car accident and, you know, wherever I moved, when I went to South Couch and she followed, she found me there. And then when I went, started my own business, she found me there and it just felt like, I got caught in that whole repeat. Like, it's like I was helping her maintain. We got into this maintenance rule and she'd go out and function, but we got in this maintenance rule and it's just like, okay. And she went through everything. When I, when I, you know, started learning manipulation techniques, she'd let me do those. And then when I started IMS, she'd, she'd let me do those. And then when I found shockwave therapy, okay, well, let's try this to see if we can get any better. And then with the laser, I'm actually seeing some benefits because I can get into areas along her rib cage and the front of her ribs that were probably all tightened down that wouldn't let her back be more mobile. So it's that being able to step back as a physio and 
um, take the time. It's like when I did start line, part of my motto when I did the BNI was we take the time to treat you right. Yeah, I remember that. You know, <laughs> and we can get so caught up in the rush and, and, you know, some physiotherapy practices are, you know, 10 minutes, you know, they come in and they, they, you know, check it out. They give you your gym exercises, which are important and hook you up to a modality and that's it. So you had 10 minutes hands on with a physio. My, and I've, I've started doing our assessments because I want to feel the whole body. And sometimes you get away with it if it's just a sprained ankle, but if it's a recurrent sprained ankle, you need longer time. And because you're not treating everybody who's just a, uh, an athlete on the field who twisted a knee, right? Or a, a, somebody who's dislocated their shoulder, right? You have to say, okay, what else might've happened in that time? So we need to step back. And I say, you know, if you've got a client who's not getting better in your treatments, like we do, half an hour we do our assessments and half an hour treatments at start line out of my home biz- business i won't i don't do half hour treatments i'm like 45 minutes to an hour that's it that's the time i want so i want time to say because the people coming to me are people who've gone through other stuff and haven't had the success so i'm kind of doing this consultation okay well we missed this we missed that okay let's try this and i'm not saying i can get everybody better there's sometimes it's like okay i'm stuck now well, right. but I want the maybe time it's that they need to. Yeah, they need to make the change, right? Like they, well, yeah. we were talking about, maybe if they're not ready or, or they've got yeah. a, a block that they're not. But want, I've, wanting to get yeah. better. But I have seen a move with with the physios where they're not doing the 10, 15 minute treatments anymore. They're moving into half an hours. And but I, I, all my colleagues, I say, you know what? If you're seeing that you're just in this repeat maintenance, you know, step back. Give your tell them you want them to book a few hour sessions. And almost reassess and go up and feel the other parts of the body that we might be missing. It's, yeah. it's such a wonderful metaphor where you're out aligned over here and sort of affects this thing over here and you don't see the connection. Yeah. Um, and that's the metaphor for life, isn't absolutely. it? It's like, yeah. Yeah. It's definitely one of my takeaways yeah. for sure. That's the body mm-hmm. needs to be in balance. You know, mm-hmm. your your spirit needs to be in balance. Yeah, body, mind, soul. How you, you know, eat. Like everything. It, it, yeah. All sleep and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. just missing one little you know mm-hmm. ingredient yeah i mean you could be you could be vegan Efficient. and exercising all the time and sleeping four hours a night and have severe problems exactly right or vice versa yeah or you could be checking the two boxes but that third is is and i think a lot of people can check two of those three boxes yeah. right they'll they yeah. can eat well and sleep well but maybe they fall on the exercise with exercise and and, and sleep but not the eating yeah guilty um, yeah. but, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Or they're not speaking up or they're, they're carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders. Right. How many people have those tight upper oh, neck sure. trapezius muscles? And it's like, yeah. you know, and I had one client I talked with about, you know, the work, work she was doing and she had this aha movement and went mm-hmm. and she just like was doing overworking too much. And when she cut or changed, she actually changed her career, I think. And she said, I don't need to see anymore. Yeah. My, my shoulder pain's gone. My neck pain's gone. But also with smartphones, right? That's really going to affect them. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Speaking of neck pain. But, and yeah. thumb pain. Yeah. yeah. So perhaps as a way to kind of begin to close, and, and you've given us so much from, from your own story and experiences as well, from your expertise in your field and, and kind of the holistic health concepts. But if you were to offer any, any sort of parting gifts or offerings to our listeners as, as they're walking away and, and hopefully being able to apply some of this knowledge to their own lives, what, what might that be? From a, from a 
actually it probably is for all areas but even for the body from the body perspective listen it's talking to you and one of the big things is like why am i not listening we have to have the pause to listen you know what is it trying to tell me and that's the question when you say what is it trying to tell me what are you trying to tell me it, the answer will come it's just a matter of do we want to hear it and are you willing to make the change that you need to change because you know sometimes you're not willing to make that change and that can apply to the body you know it can apply to anywhere in your life right because and and the thing is like the universe is working on you whether you're aware of it or not mm -hmm. like and if i i've had a few angel kicks in the butt to change <laughs> my direction you know like and, and like you told your story too mm -hmm. right and and it it can actually come out well but if we're not going to make the changes it's going to be made for you right so if you need to change your job and you know you need to change your job and you're not going to willing to change it something's going to happen to make you change it right so, absolutely i think your your answer of just listening is we've used the term lost art in our culture yeah. i think that's got to be one of the biggest obstacles people have is just that that listening yeah. um just even like you know we don't even have as many of these kind of conversations anymore that's why we start the podcast we're like yeah and thank we're you we're desperate for these conversations these were where we don't have phones in here like you know and so there's that listening, there's actual listening, but then the listening to our body, then the listening to our mind and our thoughts. And, and our heart. You can't do that when you're running 100 miles an hour all day trying to like, you know, check all these boxes, achieve all these things, make make yourself feel good enough and smart enough and hope, hope people will like me and like me on social media. You're not going to hear what's actually going on in your life and, and around you and in your body. Yeah. So it's, it's creating a stillness practice Yeah, and, and having that um, and even being still while while working it doesn't just mean like 30 minutes every morning you're still and the rest of your day you run around like crazy it's like having in the chaos in a in a busy meeting to still just be still and aware of what's being said and, and how you feel and why you responded a little curtly there yeah and uh, why i just moved away from the mic so no one could hear me sorry folks <laughs> um but but yeah just that just that self-awareness yeah. yeah it's leaving the space like you had a, a guest on who talked about the music and how it's the space between the notes that makes the music or mm -hmm. leaving the time in your day. Like when I thought about how, you know, how long am I going to take to come down here? How busy is it going to be? Mm -hmm. You know, leaving that little extra time mm -hmm. for things to happen. So I'm not rushing because it would have been a totally different experience if I was all rushed. I got to go for a little walk before. Yeah, beautiful nice neighborhood. Yeah. Beautiful mm -hmm. neighborhood. It yeah. is, yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Well, well, thank you for that gift and, and thank you for everything else that you've, uh, you've given and, and thanks for for doing your part with this guy over here to, to get him back in action or to give get him, him started. space to yeah i need to see you again actually yeah, okay all right so and speaking of seeing you um people are like boy she sounds like the kind of person i, I just want to <laughs> chat with and I'll, and I'll pay i'll pay the money just to chat with you and also you can you know poke me with things um how can how can they do that um you're not you sold start line so start but line. you're actually still contracting yourself out by start line you work at yeah. genoa um physiotherapy uh, genoa Duncan. laser yeah genoa genoa laser. integrative health actually okay well genoa integrative health i just i just do assessments reassessments for oh, people okay. wanting okay. to do that part of it start line i don't 
generally take on any new clients. I'm just okay. managing my clients. Sometimes right. I'll do consultations from my house, so that's a little different. But yeah, if I know, you, I you really you can, that. yeah. And, and the dog, the, the, dog, the yeah. dog comes up and, and yeah. sits by me when I'm in pain. Yeah, every time Isn't I poke you with IMS, yeah. I know. You said that, how the dog yeah. will actually come when someone's yeah. in pain. Yeah, Bauer, Bauer knows when I'm going to poke somebody with a needle, yeah. and he's, mm. he's actually barks at me. He's giving me hacks. <laughs> like, yeah. He's like, stop hurting him. <laughs> yeah. I like him. Don't hurt him. Yeah, so I, I, I do a few consultations, but I, I do try to direct people to, um, like there are so many great practitioners. I, I am in the College of Valley and yeah. I'll just like some people do a consultation. I'll say, well, you need this, go see, you know, this person at start line or you need, sure, you might yeah. need this. So, okay. so I'm, I'm, I kind of am doing a lot of that work and, but you can follow, you get a lot of this information on my website, my newsletters. I have 20 YouTube videos out. Cool. Uh, just, and, and those are more, those are more physio related. And, and yeah. that's all on wendybowen.com. Wendy Bowen. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where they can get her book as well. Yeah. Well, thanks for that, and uh, and thanks for being a part of the, the episode. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, that's the episode. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. If you liked what you heard here, check out the website. ObstacleCoursePodcast.com. That's where you can subscribe, check out the show notes. If we had one request, we'd ask you to leave us a kind review and perhaps share this episode. It's not because we have fragile egos. Well. But because we want other great people like you to benefit. Speaking of great people, we have a list of people we want to thank. We've got our senior technical advisor, Andy Robertson, our media partner and web designer, Sticky Media, and of course, our host and snack coordinator, Judy Langford. Oh, peanut butter cookies. You can continue the conversation on Instagram and Facebook at Obstacle Course Podcast and on Twitter at Obstacle Pod. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Keep pushing through those obstacles.